Is your business stuck? Tired of leaving money on the table? Are you ready to take it to the next level? Join us as we dive deep into the small business secrets successful entrepreneurs are implementing to see massive results. This is the Business Growth Hacks Podcast, presented by Beefy Marketing. Here's your host, Andrew Brockenbush. What's going on, Small Business Nation? Welcome back to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks Podcast. My name's Andrew, hanging out with my buddy John, and we've got an incredible guest for you guys today. That's right. Preston Brown is a speaker, entrepreneur, multiple eight-figure business owner specializing in disruptive innovation and profitably scaling companies. He's a serial entrepreneur, just like all of us, who started his first company in college and was soon making more than his professors. I can't wait to get into that. He had a revelation, dropped out of school, and has since then been busy creating profitable companies. He is an expert in finance, business, real estate, and has directly advised hundreds of CEOs and entrepreneurs on how to grow and scale their companies. Preston, welcome to the show, man. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. man. All right, so we, we like to kick all of our episodes off with a little bit of an icebreaker. So I'm going to start with that, all right? Let's kick it. Ice, icebreaker. All right, today's icebreaker. What is the most adventurous food you've ever tried, and would you eat it again? Ooh. Preston, I'm going to let you start this one. So right off the bat, it, I, I I would maybe eat it again only if I wasn't going to offend some <laughs> close friends by not doing so. Uh, I went down to Peru. We did a little trip with our YBL group there recently, and they have this thing called Kui, okay? And what it is, it's a giant guinea pig straight, <laughs> splayed out, like on this what looks like a torture chamber <laughs> yeah. rack. Look it up online, but it, it's a Peruvian delicacy. It's like really greasy. It, the flavor's good. You're going to crunch on some bones. Yeah. yeah. Um, but just the look of this little guy, like, like when your food's looking back at you, man, I got a problem with it being yeah. fish, but it's like a mammal or something. Yeah, right. That's John, what about you, man? <laughs> man. I was trying to decide. I mean, chocolate covered crickets isn't really that out there, I don't think, because there's chocolate in it, and you can put chocolate on anything, and that makes <laughs> solves it everything not weird. Yeah, I think the weirdest thing I've ever eaten was probably squirrel. I got a, oh, wow. I got an uncle that loves squirrel and dumplings, and we've done it. That's what I eat. It that again. sounds like some stuff where we, Preston, me and John grew up in the same small town called Waller, and I don't know if you know where Waller's at, but it's down south, close to Houston ish. But that's the kind of thing we'd eat down, down in the wall. Yeah. For sure. <laughs> like, well, like, is the squirrel in a dumpling? Is it in a dumpling? Well, you kind of make like chicken and dumplings. It's not inside the dumpling, but you put the dumplings in the stew or whatever. Oh. It it kind of just tastes it's a like a protein chicken. substitute. I probably end up eating it again. I, do I want to eat it I'll every day? No. <laughs> I try it. Yeah. Like. <laughs> it's not terrible, it's not the best. I- I actually tried something yesterday for the first time that was another delicacy, something that, again, animal rights people find to be questionable, whether it's ethical or not. Foie gras, which is like duck liver, duck fat. Hmm. And, if you, and if you Google it, because I didn't know what it was. Like I had a friend that had ordered something, and it came with it. And he was like, hey, you want to try this? And I was like, yeah, I guess so. It's like, I guess it's uh, the liver from a duck. But when these hmm. ducks ducks is ducks the right plural for duck i don't know when the ducks are ready to like be almost matured to you know i guess prepare for 
food, they like force feed them to like make them like bloat up and then oh, they wow. butcher them. And it's like, okay, yeah, this is kind of questionable. It's like but, the uh, version of Kobe beef. <laughs> exactly, man. <laughs> yeah. It's it's bizarre. It tasted pretty good. It's a little metallic-y. Would I have it again? I mean, I don't know. If I didn't pay for the lunch, then probably. Uh, you know. <laughs> so, Sounds good to me. All right, man. Well, all right. All serious. Time to get into this episode. Again, right. we've got a lot of stuff to cover. Very little time because obviously, Preston, we can see, man, you've got a million things going on. You are, you are running and gunning. Super excited to get into this conversation. So why don't you take us back to where it all started, kind of where you grew up, college and then how you got to where you're at today because it seems like that's where a lot of this magic kind of started sure yeah i mean my my entrepreneurial career started accidentally when i was seven years old um my dad we were broke family lots of love not a lot of money he uh of course had that life he watched on tv with everybody else and then the real life we lived in our little trailer park in canyoteo and one day he says man i'm gonna open a business i'm gonna go for the american dream i'm gonna set our family free we're gonna be like those folks on tv right and the guy was a genius. I mean, literally, like, this guy's my hero. Six foot four, broad shoulders. You can tell I do not have broad <laughs> shoulders, okay? Like, I look like Bobby's World, giant head, tiny shoulders. Like, I got the opposite. But um, he, beautiful man, six foot four, member of Mensa, pioneered all sorts of shit at the companies he worked for. Um, brilliant guy. He didn't understand business. So business has a lot of little nuances. It's not any secrets, but there's a science to it. Absolutely. If you miss any single stage, you're, you're going to fail, Right. And so he didn't understand billing, he didn't understand collecting, he didn't understand charging, like most entrepreneurs, had a big heart, went out, wanted to work, wanted to do great stuff, wanted to be the most fair priced. And you can already see where this is going. Like we lived in a little trailer, he worked day in, day out in this little shed next to our trailer. We stole an air conditioner from uh, some neighbor's yard a few miles down the road uh, to put in the shed so he wouldn't die of heat stroke in the El Paso sun. Three months in, there was the fight and my mom had lost her job. That turns into money gets real scarce if you're poor, yeah. real fast. And, uh, you know, the, you remember the fight. Like, my family never fought. There was lots of love. There wasn't money, but there was lots of love. That frying pan flies across the room, lodges into the wall. And I don't remember all the words that were said or yelled, rather. But I remember these. It was uh, a real man can feed his family. If you don't go collect with your own, don't come back. And my, my dad had done a majority of his work for one guy. And I got to be the charity piece. So I, I go up to this guy's house with him. I ride up in his old it was a 64 Ford truck, man. We ride up there and the house not far from where I live now. And um, we go in. My dad's towering over this guy at like five foot nine. My dad's six four. I'm like, ooh, he's going to kill him. He's going to kill this guy with a napkin. And, and, and it did start the way I expected. I was expecting, demanding our money, go to the grocery store, get the groceries we need, go home. Everything's fine. Back to chasing the dream, right? No, but no story that's a good one at least ends that way. My dad went from demanding to asking to groveling and begging. It it wound up being like my dad started bringing family in. Man, I'm going to lose my family. You don't pay me. Like things like that started coming out. And and this guy, uh, can I get the bulletproof tooth? This guy turned around and um, he 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 out negotiated my dad. Like he he gave him just some of the money in his wallet, a couple of twenties. I don't I don't know how much he got, but. wasn't the thousands of dollars that he was owed and back in the 80s that meant something it was probably a few hundred bucks we drove down to the local smiths it's an albertson's now and uh you know I, I i rode home with that box of ramen noodles on my lap i cannot eat that shit to this day it, just, it still <laughs> tastes like cardboard 
I remember trying to talk to him. My dad was never a big talker, but that day he was definitely not a talker. And I, I remember him crying a little bit on the way home, like wiping tears, hoping I wouldn't see him. And, and he wouldn't say anything to me. Next day, he gave up on his dreams of business and went to go get a job. And, you know, he got a job, never made more than 35 grand a year in his entire life. This, of course, with the influence of my mother, who was the toughest bitch on the planet. When I say bitch, like, let me tell you, it's an acronym. So for all the ladies that don't want to get offended, like, go like this, put your fingers in your ears, no more virgin ears, or solve it real quick. Uh, bitch is an acronym, it's babe in total control of herself. And my mom was a queen bitch, okay? <laughs> she was a badass. She, um, she used to say, everyone has a game. If you learn the game, you learn how to win. And so, of course, I'm looking at everybody. Everybody's got a game. You learn the game, you learn how to win. This guy played my dad. He learned my dad's game. My dad should have learned his game. Like, and so my dad's wound around money became my need to go and become successful. I started chasing money. I started, money became the meaning of life for me at seven years old. It was the first time I'd felt hatred. And if you've ever felt hatred, like that's a powerful emotion. I mean, it's as powerful as love. It's the, the wrong direction, right? And so I felt hatred at seven. I don't think anybody should, but it, it, it drove me, man. And I became this corporate conditional asshole. I would figure out the game. I would go into industries. I would build companies. I would put competitors out of business. And, and it was not really the most like clean, loving, high vibration experience as I'm sure most could imagine. I, like people that like didn't like Donald Trump would have hated him. Okay. <laughs> they would have been like, oh, you think he's an asshole. You should meet Preston. Um, in fact, there, there's a street sign in El Paso. It's like Donald Street and next to it is Preston Street. So he sent me a picture. They're like, I see some alignments. And I was like, ooh, okay. Yikes. <laughs> well, in in uh, 2019, I get a phone call. And, and it was this crazy change, man. It was just this pivot in my life. Worst day of my life, best day of my life. My, my, my brother-in-law calls. He says, hey, dude, you need to get over here. Come to your mom's house. I'm like, what do you mean? He said, your dad's gone. You need to come here. And I... I I asked the question. I didn't need to because I literally felt everything in my body sink. Like, I said, where did he go? Even though I, I already knew the answer. And, you know, my dad was still relatively young. He was in his 70s, but he wasn't, you know, at, at the age or, or health level, at least we thought, where you just go. And, and I drove over there, crying my eyes out the whole way. And uh, it was um, the worst day of my life, man. I'd never had loss. And it was this pivot. I, I looked at my mom, this regal, beautiful woman, and she'd crumpled into some creature that you'd see more in a Lord of the Rings movie. It, not not the amazing woman she was. My sister's there. She's broken. I can hear my little brother on the phone calling from out of town. He's broken. And and I just went into work mode. One good thing about entrepreneurship is, man, it's it's a fucking blood sport. So we'll we'll go and we'll fight. You know, 365 days a year, eight days a fucking week, right? And it, it's it's a war that never turns off. So we're not afraid to go out and step up and fight. And so I, I, I went to work. That's what you do, right? When the challenges hit, you fucking go to work. So I, I went and started like remodeling my mom's house. I started helping my sister buy a house. I was going to real estate because that's what I knew, right? I started like um, doing anything I could to help. But that day that was the worst day became a, a beautiful day for me over the next few weeks as well, because looking at that man and you know, over these years between seven years old and when I was, I don't know, what, it's 2019, how many years ago is that? Like, I don't know, I'm 40 now. But uh, I'd gone from money's the meaning of life to here's this day where I realized in 2019 where my dad's lying there. I was like, oh, fuck, that's me one day. One day I'm going to be lying on that floor. I've dedicated my entire life to making money. And I'd made money. I'd made millions of dollars. I had millions of dollars in real estate wealth. 
uh, I had, you know, millions of dollars in business wealth and I was, I was probably in the low deca millionaire range, right? But I'm looking around and I'm like, fuck, I'm going to die. Like, I, I realized I was going to die in 2019. I'm 40. I, you know, it's only 2023. Like, what the fuck, right? Like, I, I should probably have had this realization before. And I, I realized I would have given everything I had and even gone into debt 100 times over what I had for 10 more minutes with that. And it became this new pivot in life where, like, love became the meaning of life. Like, and, and you know, business does something to you. It's, it's a beautiful journey where you're going to deal with a lot of problems really fast. And um, so, you know, when you're an entrepreneur, you, you start realizing problems are gifts. Most of the world, the biggest problem they have is they think they haven't, shouldn't have any fucking problems, right? And so here, I'm seeing this day where I lose, like, my hero, the, the guy I want to be when I grow up. The guy I still want to be when I grow up. Even at 40, I want to be him when I grow up, right? And, uh, and, and it's this love becomes the meaning of life because I would give it all. I'd give a thousand times more than all of it for 10 minutes with him. And I start looking around at the people that are still here. And I'm like, holy shit, what would I not give to have a more compelling relationship? And guys, this was such a crazy pivot because my mother's advice where she'd been like, what is the game? How do you win? What is the game? How do you win? And this is my mantra. This is my you know, primary question in the back of my head with everything ever going on. I built all these different formulas. Like I built formulas for problem solving in business. I built formulas for everything. Every problem I had, I went through and I like a nerd. Like if you look at me, you can see like small shoulders, like giant fucking head. I am a nerd. Like if you ever saw, if you look it up in the dictionary, there's me. Like I'm, it's my picture. Okay. Like you got this like guy that looks like Bobby's world, just, you know, older, gray hair. And uh, I started thinking, how can I get more time? Like I've done this growth thing. I've done this scaling thing. And if you, if if you're trying to grow your business and automate your business at the same time, uh, those are very contrarian energies. That, like you can't do both of those things at the same time. Like if you want, like if you want like that steady eight percent growth, you can have a good C-suite executive team and they can do that shit for you, right? But if you're trying to have like that hundred percent growth year over year, you're not going to automate that. Like that's a fucking rocket ship. You better fly, right? So. Um, I started looking at my formulas that I'd been using to grow because all that mattered to me was size, right? Like, like I was worried about big, not rich. I was getting rich on the way, but I was the creative entrepreneur. I started looking at, I wonder if I can get time. Like I, I knew I needed time. I, I looked at all these loved ones. I needed time. And so it turns out the formulas work just the same. Now, at, at this point, I, I think I had uh, seven, eight, 10 businesses, somewhere like that. And, and some were pretty good size. So they, the bigger they are, the easier they are to automate, okay? Uh, some were smaller and they were startups. And so I started having to categorize them into different stages because businesses are like people. Like when you have a baby, you know what you're not going to do? You're not going to tell it when you want to change. Yeah, exactly. It's going to shit on its own schedule, <laughs> right? So that's very much like a startup company. Like it's going to shit on its own schedule yeah. and you're going to clean it, right? So like I started realizing, oh, there's different stages of this. And oh, there's different problems associated with different stages. And then I started solving those problems and I started having like this, not, not just growth, but, but time freedom. And then the growth started accelerating. Like, like I now have businesses, more, more than one, that does over 100 million in revenue. Like, like the numbers on revenue that they send out, I think, on my one sheet are from 2020. You know, so I've had three years to compound that. And it's it, also whenever anyone talks about revenue, I need to put this disclaimer in. Whenever anybody talks about revenue, there are big businesses with low margins that, you know, revenue is vanity, profits are sanity. Like, so if you have big revenue, 
and you're at 0.23% margin or some shit, uh, who cares? Now, if you have big revenue and you got a 20, 30% margin, then that, that's, that's pretty okay. Yeah. And like, yeah. you know, so anytime somebody talks revenue, don't just go and run in. Maybe, maybe go look up average margin in the industry. Yeah, exactly. And if they're smart, they're probably that or better. So it's home building. You're like, oh shit. Okay. He's doing good. Yeah. Like, but if it's like real estate brokerage, you're like, so what does that mean? Yeah. Nothing. Yeah, exactly. Uh, oh, yeah. Like title company. Like one of my companies is a title company. It's a great company. Like the revenue is huge because we're collecting yeah, big. all their, their growth dollars for every house. But the, the margins are peanuts. Yeah, exactly. You know, get my home building company, the revenue is also huge and the margins are not peanuts. So like, anyway, on, on the revenue shit, profits guys, not revenue, but yeah. Um, so it took me to this love is the meaning of life. And I started looking for this, not just around with my family and having time with my family, but also how do I create a more compelling life for my employees? How do I, Mm -hmm. how do I create a more compelling life for my customers? How do I, and and I'm going to tell you guys, like things took off as I identified the stages, as I switched money as the meaning of life to love as the meaning of life. And, And let me give you an analogy. Like, like, John, I'm, I'm going to have to call you Beefy because that's what's on the screen, bro. I'm sorry. I have to call you Beefy. Um, like, if I'm looking at Beefy here, and, and I know that for a human body to operate, the heart has to pump blood around the body, right? Mm-hmm. Now, me looking at a business and thinking about money, even though I know it's the, the lifeblood of, of the business, is a lot like me looking at Beefy and being like, mm, look at all that blood in there. Ooh. Yeah, what's up? Like, like it, So when you start thinking about this shit, it... If somebody did that to you in person, you would look at them and be like, you're a weird, creepy motherfucker. <laughs> yeah. Like, yeah. it's like Joe Biden walking up and smelling your yeah. ass. You're like, what, what are you doing? What are you, doing? Yeah. you know, like, go away. So, so like, it, a, a lot of folks, like, they, they, you know, I'm telling my story and they're hearing my story. And, you know, it's a story of loss, but it's a story of gain. Like, the, the best day of my life was the worst day of my life. The greatest mm-hmm. lesson I had was my dad teaching me the value of time so that I could spend it compellingly loving those around me that, that, that I have the opportunity to interact with. Like we're here for a finite amount of time. And then that led me to lessons on, oh, where each business is and what stages you can solve. And I mean, now I have companies that I started less than a year ago and, you know, you go invest 100, 150 grand. Like I started a pool servicing company, guys. I, I got so annoyed because the guy that was hired to finish my pool didn't finish it. So I finished it as a builder, like yeah. whatever, check the box. Then I was like, oh, do I want to add chemicals? Do I want to be there with the fucking gnats? Do I want to go? No, I don't want to do that. Like, that that sounds about as fun as sex with a beehive. <laughs> may still be sex. I don't recommend that <laughs> shit, right? So, like, I'm like, you know what? All the pool servicers here suck. So I, I hired the best guys I could meet at the pool servicing companies and paid them more. And now I have a pool servicing company. So in one year, after a couple of trucks, some equipment, and, and, and 150 grand in or whatever it was, uh, you know, we have a break-even pool servicing company with... I think by the end of this year, we'll have more accounts than anybody else. And so that's my startup today. I also have my home building company. That one's in in the highest stage where I'm like, the highest stage is called an investor plan. We can go through the stage. Yeah. It, it's, it's it, you know, at that point, you're like, shit, man, how do I not pay as much taxes legally and ethically? <laughs> exactly. and all that? So like, you, you have different problems at different stages. Right. And the biggest mistakes most entrepreneurs are making is they're solving the right problem in the wrong stage. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, and, and so you have all these like big hearted people that love solving a problem. I mean, what is, what is your sale? What's a sale to anyone? You're selling somebody either something that complements their identity, which means it makes their life better because it complements their identity. So pain and pleasure, mm-hmm. right? Or it solves a problem and removes pain. So increased pleasure, complement identity, decrease pain. 
you know, luxury products equal luxury margins. So selling to somebody's identity is a luxury product. I mean, that's a luxury margin, but you're still solving a problem of their ego. All sales are solutions to somebody's problems. All entrepreneurs are problem solvers. Problems are gifts. Let's see. I think the meaning of life, by the way, is problems. Like, so yeah. maybe I'm sick. Maybe there's some kind of demented shit in my head. But like, when you're born, like, how many women, if we go back in forty thousand years of human history, die in childbirth? Mm -hmm. It's a huge number. Yeah. It's it's terrifying. And and kids too. So birth problem. Best moments of life. Overcoming adversity. What does that mean? Oh, problem, problem, problem. Right. Adversity is just synonym for fucking problem. Big problem. Death. <laughs> we leave this life. It's a problem. <laughs> like, holy shit. Like, so, so like when, when life becomes about solving the fucking problems and you realize that as an entrepreneur, you get to do this at scale, holy shit, how compelling, how mm, fun. Exactly. And so crazy enough out to change the world. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. And to make it easy. Like my whole pitch for everyone is making millions can be made easy. Like there is no reason any human being that has the desire. I mean, think about the word desire, day of the sire, right? Like, so what does that mean? Inspired, in spirit, enthusiasm, enter theos. Like these are all root words for anybody that has that shit in them can go out and that passion will drive purpose and that purpose will drive hustle. Hustle is effect, not cause. And they can go out and create the compelling solutions for all those people and, and have the life they fucking watch on TV. Like my mission in life at that moment because I could retire tomorrow. And by the way, insurance companies, they look at it, they're like, what is retirement? Well, it's you die in two years. Like, yeah. you go to any insurance company. They, they know that if a man retires, women, you have it better. But men, if you retire, you're dead in two years. So we should probably never fucking stop. Yeah. And then we don't yeah. have to die. But like, <laughs> if, if, if we're saying, okay, well, how do I solve more problems? Well, just look at the fucking stage you're in. Solve the problems there, mm -hmm. you go to the next stage. Yeah. And then, then fall in love with problems. Like, you'll go study your wife if you love her. You'll go study your Bible if you love God. Study your fucking problems. All a business is is a giant problem-solving communication machine. Right. Makes sense. hundred percent. Let me ask you this question. So you, to to some extent, and forgive me if I I'm, I speak out of line, but prior to losing your dad, you were kind of taking business kind of ruthlessly, right? Like profits over there. profits yeah, over oh. people. Like that's that was the focus. So what was that transition yeah. like? Because to some extent, I would think that the pandemic might have helped because it kind of put a stop on things. Maybe it didn't. But like, what was that transition like where you go from being like this hard charging asshole, right? That's just focused on money to like somebody who really like focusing way more on people and love. And like, what were your, what was that community around you thinking? Like when they're like, what happened to you? Like what? Oh, they didn't. They didn't know how to do it. Yeah. Like, what, was mean, that? You, <laughs> what was that? What was that like? I, I was probably cruising for a divorce with my wife. I was probably. I don't. I don't know that I had any real compelling friendships. I was. I was driven by ego. I was driven by desire to set my family free. Like it was. Like when you're when you're driven by fear or you're driven by faith. Either way is the same outcome. You're driven, mm -hmm. right? But I was driven by fear from the wound that my dad had when I was little. I did not want the same fate. Poverty was the most terrifying thing. So I was going to run and do anything it took to escape that poverty. Like, how, how did it change? I mean, well, funny, funny story. We probably won't have time to go into it today because I'm going to talk about a guy that sued me, okay? <laughs> Who was actually one of the guys that really helped me help me change. And, and, and he did not sue me at this moment, but it's, 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 I have a really interesting history with the most inspirational man in the world. Um, I was, I had the privilege at this point, I was touring the world with Tony Robbins, right? Oh, wow. like I was yeah. going around with him and, and, and I was part of his 
uh, Platinum Group and Lions Group, and that was amazing. Like, it was an amazing group. It was an amazing experience. I recommend it to everyone. Um, a few weeks after my dad died, I had my first opportunity to go with an event, a date with Destiny event. And so so what really made the shift, because, man, when you lose somebody, if you've never lost somebody, it's it's hardest thing you'll ever do. I remember I was watching The Walking Dead, okay? And I was sitting there watching The Walking Dead, and, and, and I'm looking at the zombies on the screen. They don't look great, but they looked better than I felt inside. And I remember having that thought, and it was like, fuck. So my wife and I go to this date with Destiny event. It's a few weeks after my dad's gone. And I, and I got some real brilliance out of Robbins and the organization. So even though that we've we've had our checkered past, I, I, I admire the shit out of them and, and, and really appreciate them. Like that, that, That's one of the things about living in love is you don't even get mad about shit anymore, even if it's dumb shit, right? So Tony... And, and he really is like, I don't know, six foot eight, six foot nine. He's a big motherfucker. Um, he's talking to some woman. Like, she's three or four rows behind me. I probably missed half the event. I missed half the damn event. Because I'm, I'm still in my zone. Right. I lost that. But he's talking to some lady. And, and she'd lost her mom. So, obviously, there's a link, right? There's there's some alignment here. And so, I'm, I'm paying attention. She's lost somebody. I've lost somebody. And Tony says to her, you're not suffering in the fact. You're suffering in the perception of the fact. She's standing, like, right next to my chair. Like, I'm scribbling feverishly trying to figure it out <laughs> yeah. talk to her right over here. then she didn't get it i didn't understand it either i'm really glad she didn't get it because he said something else he says you're not suffering because your mother's gone you're suffering because you expect her to still be here mm. and that was an aha moment so i i wrote down expectations are the mother of all suffering mm. now and, and that that confused me because at other points tony had, had said things like, you want a better life? Raise your fucking standards. And I was like, all right, well, what's the difference between an expectation and a standard? Well, it's a real simple answer. It's it's an agreement. Like, if you and I have an agreement that we make with one another, then, then if you break it, I have every right to be mad. That's righteous anger. But if you're a guy in traffic that cuts me off, and I feel that I have some fucking rule internally that I've never communicated to you, and I've never made an agreement with you, and we've never had a discussion <laughs> that you shouldn't do that, well, then... Me getting mad, letting that three-second behavior that you just did ruin my whole day, ruined 84,000 seconds that day. Like, what is it, like 84,500 seconds in a day or some shit? And your three-second behavior fucked up my whole day because, frankly, I'm the idiot at that point. My expectation on an agreement we never made fucked me up. So anyway, he says this stuff. I write it down. I went to war with all my expectations. I mean, there's four cores to life, guys. There's faith, which is like your energy, like how you show up, your love for yourself, your self-esteem, right? There's family, your love expressed to others, people around you. There's fitness and there's finance. Okay, these are the four cores of the human experience. And I mean, I don't know if your listeners can see this, but like I'm holding up four fingers on my hand. So if you reference faith, family, fitness, finance, those four things are like four fingers. Each finger is not the same as the other, but it's tethered to one another by the hand, right? So I had an anchor in family. Even if I wanted all the money or all the fitness or all the certainty in the world, how am I going to progress if they're tethered to one another? Okay, so this opened up this thing for me. And I started removing expectations from all four, and my life took off. My businesses took off. Like, I have one business right now that, based on revenue and margin, I could sell it on a six times multiple, and, and it would be a centimillion dollar company. Like, it, it's, it's, and that, that did not exist in that way before when everything was transactional. When everything was based on money, okay? Like, a business is a group of people, like it's a team sport, it's not a spectator sport, that provides a product or service to solve a problem for a group of people. Like, like if you look at it, like it's people, 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 the customers are people. 
Everybody in the process, vendors, lenders, trades, contractors, employees, customers, bankers, it doesn't matter. They all want the exact same thing, the owner too, certainty of success. And so our job is to communicate certainty of success to every single person and every single language pattern that is needed to create this beautiful business circle and cycle to where everyone fucking wins. And like, what does the government want? Certainty of success, you're going to pay your fucking taxes and operate within the laws and not damage society. What, what, like, what, what is, right? Like, so business is easy. Making money is easy. What, what, what we have to do, like, and, and this is, this, this is the hard part. You want to know the hard part about becoming successful in business? There's only one. You got to stop listening to all the bullshit. Like, like some idiot somewhere, probably even on your podcast said it took money to make money. Right? Yeah. <laughs> like, like that has happened. And I don't, I, I haven't watched enough episodes to go and find that guy. Like, I, I hope nobody actually did. But but if, if somebody did, I'm calling them wrong. Okay? Like, and they may not be an idiot, but they're ignorant. Because society believes a lie. It does not take money to make money. It takes value to make money. What about this one that customer's always right? My God, dude, if the customer was right, I'd be doing it for free. I'd have a lifetime <laughs> warranty. I might have to do a blow job in the fucking process. Are you kidding me? Like, like. Yeah, that's the dumbest shit I've ever heard. Like, there's so many lies about business. How about this one? It's better to aim high and miss than to aim low and hit. Okay, like this is something. How many people say this? All of the phrases around business, maybe not all, but most of the phrases around business success and all, all the the self help life bullshit is it's bullshit. Like, it's so stupid because I want you to picture aiming high and missing versus aiming low and hitting. If you are standing at the bottom of a staircase and you aim low and hit, what'd you do? You sat down right? Now, it, what if you wanted to aim high and miss? You're going to run, you're going to sprint, you're going to jump onto the fucking staircase, you're going to tumble down, you're going to have bruises all over your fucking body, you wound up in the exact same place if you aim low and hit. So is it really better to aim high and miss? That's the dumbest shit I ever heard. How about if we just aimed up and hit? Like, like ready, aim, fire, not ready, fire, aim. Like, like you know, if we just get out of the bullshit, out of the lies, and we start learning what's fucking true. Everyone can make money. And, and and I call it making money for a reason. Like if you go and you study God, like what God made us in his image, right? Yeah. So let me tell you something. God didn't earn us. He made us. You make money. You create money. You don't earn money. Earn Earning money is slavery today. If you are earning money, you're a slave. At least if, if you're earning money, you should fucking choose that. Like, you should know that there's a choice. And you look, and there's nothing wrong with making a choice, but the fact that you haven't even made a choice means that you're an unwilling slave. Like, like if I say, hey, I'm willing to go and work for somebody to have a job, and there's people that want to do that, and that's okay. I should at least know it. But if I didn't go the business route, if I didn't go the creator route, if I didn't go, hey, he made me in his image, I can do this shit route, because I never knew it was possible, because I believed a bunch of lies around society, then I am a, I'm ignorant. I'm a fool and I'm missing the fucking juice and the squeeze that could be the greatest parts of life. And how many people can you help? Like, like, like how many people could you fucking help if you had a billion dollars versus now? And oh, here's another one. Money won't buy you happiness. Ever seen a jet ski? That'll make you fucking happy. You can buy a boat. And even, That's right. Even if money can't buy you happiness, let's go into the real facts. Poverty is a dumb fucking idea. Why would you choose that? How come this is even a debate? Anyway, sorry, I get a little. No, you're you're right. I t we talk about that often. Is like, and it frustrates me sometimes when I see friends as well as entrepreneurs being complacent and okay with where they're at. And it's like, 
you have so much more capacity. You have so much more ability. Like, why do you choose to just be complacent with where you're at? Yeah, I could go, I could go on a whole, you and me both could go off on that one. Let me ask you this. When did you start YBL? When did you found that? And like, kind of what was the, like, why? Like, why did you decide? I mean, obviously we know community is really important and for entrepreneurs, but was there something else that really kind of struck a nerve for you that kind of decided that you wanted to create that? Well, so I like travel. I was I was traveling a lot with the Platinum Group with, with Tony, Tony Robbins, yeah. right? And that, actually, that's that's kind of what got me in trouble with them. Oh yeah. <laughs> um, and 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 it was never intended to be a big thing. Like it really wasn't intended to be a big thing. Like I like traveling. COVID hit. Um, that's like my only company that's not automated because I do coaching in that. Yeah, that's company. right. Yeah. Um, and so. Whenever a recession happens, like I'm a big believer that recessions are great opportunities because you get to hire top talent from everyone who's laying off top talent. And so a lot of people that didn't have jobs that had had jobs three and six months before were available. And, and you know, like a lot, a lot of the other groups, the big groups, whether it was Tony's Black Group, whether it was like other groups out there that were available, like some of these groups have 500 people, 1,000 people. They weren't traveling. How do you logistic out that many people? And so I was like, you know what, I'll bet you if we did something small, if we did something nimble, and my initial thought was like 10 people, 20 yeah, people, keep it. we could still travel. Some places are not going to have all the rigidity. And we did. Like We were able to go to Greece. We were able to go to Costa Rica. We were able to go to Deer Valley, Utah, and had some beautiful stuff. Like, this is during COVID, in the height of COVID, we found nimble places. But, you know, it turned out, like, you know, you know when the best time to start a business is? And what everybody else thinks is the worst time to start a fucking yeah. business. So mm-hmm. and during COVID, I opened a high net worth experiential travel agency and coaching company, right? Like, like for high net worth individuals. And, and now we're actually expanding it to where we're helping folks at every income level. Like not all of them come travel with us and party with us, but there's coaching for people that are fucking, you know, just starting their business that can barely afford a few hundred dollars a month at this point. But I, I, I launched that because I still wanted to travel. That's what it was designed to be. Um, a lot of the folks that initially joined were people I was already coaching and giving business advice and, and so, you know, we just justified their membership fee as like a coaching fee. And we hired these great folks that like put on amazing events for us. And then that got, it went from like 10 to 30 or 40 people. That was not even my intention. Um, and then of course, uh, we, we, we got sued and that turned out like, thank God we've settled now. And I promise not to talk about settlement details. I'm very happy sure, yeah. with how it sure. all came out. But, uh, you know, like that like getting sued by somebody that fucking amazing or that person's like, organization yes, doing something right <laughs> yeah it's the best one you ever get like like literally i have to be grateful for this organization existing the way it does today because of that lawsuit like i mean like it, you know like it, it's it's incredible to me that what was something that people would be so scared of and i mean i was scared this is like my mentor coming after me like it, it turned into one of the most beautiful things in the world for me. And, and like, he's, he's beautiful in many ways. Like he helps a lot of people. Like I probably wouldn't be married today if it weren't for the content I had at some of his trips. Like he has a relationship that's phenomenal. Like they, they, they have a great organization. Right. But, and I don't even think it was him. I think somebody in his organization got triggered to this. Well, that turned into the best marketing on the planet that all of a sudden our membership blew up, our company blew up. Like, and, and so it went from just like a few folks traveling, which was what it was designed to be into like, okay, well, now we're going to be a huge coaching and self-help company um, for high net worth individuals. And, and now that's turning into we're uh, in the next month or two launching some online marketing campaigns. We're going to start coaching on group calls, every single level of entrepreneur to help them break through and, and, and just to make it possible. Like, like when you show somebody it's fucking possible, 
let me, let, me, let me tell you what we do. It's, it's so funny. It's so easy. You know, we're all human beings, right? And, and this is why it's fun. Well, when you take a human being and you compel action, like mentorship's critical, right? So all, all a mentor's job is to do is to compel action and measure, you know, and, and hopefully you're going to get in that mentor, that coach that has some level of credibility because, you know, maybe they've done it. Like, like you're looking for that guy, not the fucking 18 year old that, that you find on Instagram who offers coaching. Um, so you compel action. You take somebody from human being to human becoming. If I'm coming to visit you, there's a fucking burp. If there's movement, it's measurable. Okay. Well, once you show success, all of a sudden you get them to start believing. Okay. Now, now, now believing, believing is a root word, right? You know what belief stands for? Be love. Hmm. Holy shit. So some of the beliefs that are, that are hurting you, that are negatively impacting you, what, what, like, you go change those by taking different contrarian actions with a mentor or a coach who's helping you get out of your comfort zone. You know, comfort's where opportunity goes to die. So you get out of your comfort zone, you take some action, you go from being to becoming to believing. Once you start believing it, there's this new step. It's called belonging. Well, guess what? You just hit a plateau. That's foundation. You can build a fucking house there. You can set up there. And then you can say, all right, I'm ready to aim for the next goal. Where I, now I'm, I'm on this new plateau. I'm back to being again. How much further do I want to go? Do I want to go to becoming? Do I want to go to believing? Do I want to go to belonging? And this is the, the possibility ladder where it doesn't end, guys. It doesn't end. So that's that's all we do is we take people through the fucking stages. Like we take people through the stages, whether they're a non-star, whether they're a startup, whether they're an operational entrepreneur. Like every single stage, you do that four steps and it becomes possible. Like what's everybody's biggest question around coaching? It's like, okay, well, maybe you could do it. You got lucky. Or maybe you could do it. You were in the right situation. You knew the right people or whatever. Like they always have a fucking story. Okay. It's called history because it's his story whether you're projecting it or internalizing it, right? So when, when, when we show people, when we're like, no, like, I don't want to tell you you can do it. I want to fucking show you you can do it. And then all of a sudden they, they can start believing, okay, well, okay, so it's possible. Making millions made easy. Fuck, I can do that. I can really make millions. It's made easy. Oh my God, I can have the life I fucking watch on TV. I can have the shit that his dad didn't, that he went and traded his life and lost so much to learn and earn. I had to give. And, and, and this is one of the reasons why it's so compelling for me to now coach other entrepreneurs. I don't want them to go through this. Right. I don't want their dads to go through this. Like, my dad lost his dreams. He gave up on his finance dreams to still be my father, to still be my mother's husband. What a beautiful story. But he didn't have to do it. I don't want anyone to have to do that shit. I don't want entrepreneurship to have an 80% failure rate in startup. And it does. Okay? Like, there's so many little mistakes. Like, it... When you show somebody, hey, you can do it too. Like, the, this is not a for me thing. I'm not special. Mm -hmm. Like, if we go put me on an IQ test, I'm an average motherfucker. All I found is a formula that any idiot can read. And if you're just dumb enough to believe it, be love it, it works. So then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, maybe I can do it. Okay? And then I show them that there's nothing external that can stop them. We show them how to go out and get the data on how to... Go to that next level. In fact, you know what? Can, can I maybe just to, to give a gift to, I, I won't get into all the tactics because we'll be here for two weeks, but can I give a gift to your listeners? On Absolutely, the seven? yeah. Okay, so th th this right here, this is, I don't know, worth uh, fucking $100 million plus to me, okay? And it's the seven stages of entrepreneurship. The seven stages, every stage has a problem you must solve to get out of that stage. It starts with the non-start. This is the entrepreneur. They have a mindset issue. They're waiting for the right time. 
They're waiting for the right risk-reward opportunity. There never will be one. And it's always there. Meaning it's always the right time, and it's never the right time. <laughs> you know, I'm the guy that launched the real estate brokerage in a fucking recession. I launched the real estate brokerage in, like, December of 2007. You know, so right in 2008, I'm like, hey, I'm a broker, guys. Everybody's fucking leaving. You wanted a real at that time, you're like, waiter, waiter, could you sell me a house, too? You know, like, that's how fucking realtor works. So I launched the broker then. I launched a travel agency during fucking COVID. Like, yeah. I launched a home building company, you know, during a light recession. I mean, guys, everything, everything is the same. So diving in, entrepreneur has to solve a mindset issue, okay? Once you solve that, you become a startup. When you become a startup, the reason a customer is called a customer is you have to customize to the customer. Okay. There's a litmus test that you have to go through to become a business. One, the thing must be profitable. If you're going from non-start to start, okay, entrepreneur to startup, you don't have to already be profitable, but you have to have a profitability model. Hey, if I buy the material for $3 and I can sell it for $10, you know you have a profitability model. That may be rudimentary, but you have to have some level of profitability model, right? right? Two, it must be productive. It must be moving. You cannot measure what's not moving. And if you've ever looked at all the biggest companies on the planet right now, what are they? They're data companies. Mm -hmm. So information is critical. Movement's critical. Measurement, critical. Stop hiring managers in your company. Start hiring measurers. There's a million-dollar piece of fucking advice that will get you unstuck right there. Okay? And so profitability, productivity, and purpose. Why do I say purpose? Because remember, hustle is a lie. All the gurus that talk about hustle, hustle is effect. Passion and purpose are cause. When my wife walks into the bedroom, there's no part of my body that's like, I have to hustle right now. No, I'm ready. She's fucking gorgeous. I love that woman. I'm madly in love. So passion and purpose kick in, ready to go. So, so business is the same way. When you're passionate, you'll fucking go. The hustle comes natural. Now, customizing to the customer in the startup phase. So you got through the litmus test. You got over the mindset issue to get from non-start to startup. And you have to customize to the customer. You cannot take what you're passionate about and give it just the way you want to. You have to make sure you're speaking the language of a target customer. Mm. And, and when I say target customer, a startup needs to say a lot of yeses. You don't have a target customer yet, okay? You're going to say yes to fucking everyone. Why? Because you're going to go be very exceptional. It be, it, you have to be exceptional to get into business, okay? You cannot get into business and have a perfect, big, structured, optimized machine. Nobody does that. In fact, nobody grows a big, organized machine. You refine that downward. You actually shrink to become organized later, okay? And we'll get into that. So... You become exceptional to everyone. You say yes. You measure. Hey, I like saying yes to these three different customers better than those. You design customer archetypes around those. And now you are in what's called the operational entrepreneur, or as I call it, slave labor stage. Okay. Operational entrepreneurs are in the process of putting out fires. You guys are familiar with Pavlov's dogs, right? Like you ring the bell, they come. You ring the bell, he gives them food, they come. Well, so you've been rewarded so many times for being exceptional that this is one of the hardest pieces. A lot of people don't get out of startup for this reason. This yep. is million-dollar advice, guys. Um, if somebody realizes, hey, I got rewarded by being exceptional. Maybe I shouldn't keep being exceptional. Maybe I need to start moving to optimization. Maybe I need to start realizing that this is not a spectator sport. It's a team sport. I'm going to need some processes. I'm going to need you know, to hire some people. I'm, I'm going to need to bring in some optimizations. I'm going to need to refine down and not help as many different types of people, but I'll help more of the same types of people, right? I'm going to, uh, riches in the niches. Mm -hmm. This is operational mm -hmm. entrepreneur. So to go from operational entrepreneur to entrepreneur, you, you, you have to get what's called a director of operations, okay? Director of operations, and you need a team, team sport, not spectator sport. This gets you into entrepreneur. 
Entrepreneur is the first phase where you actually have an asset. Only the problem is if you got there relatively quickly, then guess what? You have the same revenue that you did in operational entrepreneur. If you got there slowly and you stayed there for a long time, you have a culture of laziness because you know what happens when you scaled your team? You scaled capacity. And to get out of entrepreneur phase, you know what you got to learn? Scaling. And since the first thing you had to scale to become an entrepreneur was your team, which means your capacity, which means instead of one human with 24 hours a day, maybe now you have three or four, you have more ability to deliver. So now you have to learn scaling. Everybody tries to scale everything all at the same time. They always fuck it up. It doesn't work. Like it's like, you know, God, I'm so politically incorrect, but this is going to hopefully stick in the ears of your listeners. I had a friend and he was always looking to have a threesome, right? Like I was in the Air Force. He was in the Air Force. He always wanted to have a threesome. And, and one day he, he does, but he doesn't have a threesome. This guy's an overachiever. He has a foursome. Like, this is an overachieving motherfucker. And so, of course, like, all of us guys in the Air Force were, like, talking to him. And he, when he comes back, and we're like, how was it? Like, sounds amazing, Mike. Right? And he was like, it's a really great way of disappointing three people at once. And I was like, you know what? I appreciate the authenticity and the honesty. And, 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 and it's a really good analogy for scaling problems. Everybody's trying to scale everything at once. And you just don't do that. When you scale capacity... Next, you need to scale sales. Next, you need to scale brand. Next, you need to scale margin. Then you go back to capacity. Team, you scale team, which is capacity. Sales, brand, margin. Team, sales, brand, margin. And, and so you go in a cycle and you rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat, rinse, repeat. And you'll see top line revenue grow, bottom line revenue grow, top line revenue grow, bottom line revenue grow. And this will continue. Until at some point it doesn't, which is an indicator. Top line will grow. Bottom line won't grow at the same level. And all of a sudden you're like, wait, what happened? This just means leaky buckets are beginning. This means you're, you 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 got more food than your plate can hold, if that makes sense. It's starting to run over. And so that's an indicator that, hey, it's time to get out of the scaling phase and the radical growth phase that you generally go into an operational megapreneur. Because after entrepreneur, operational megapreneur, scaling master, right? Once you get that indicator, now it's time to go into what's called megapreneur. You need to go get C-suite executives. You need to get that COO. You need to get that CFO. You need to get that as many COs as you want. You don't go hire a CEO. CEO stands for Chief Executive Officer. I cannot tell you how many fucking entrepreneurs I meet that have like four employees and a CEO is one of them. And I'm like, so the other three are what? Executives? No, they're not. Like, like it, it, come on, it's crazy. And, and but. You get these C-suite executives and you condition them. You train them. You replace all the behaviors you're doing. Once you have them optimized and automated and everything's going right, you'll start noticing that you've already built a trend of scaling and growth, but it's not going to be at the same pace that it was when you were doing it with your team. Okay, now it's a bigger team. You have to have more HR, more compliance, more of this, more of that. Like, so you'll, you'll see it happening, but it's just going to continue. But this is where you start getting regenerative growth. And, and it's amazing. The, the, the problem with megapreneurs, you have a new business partner. It's called the IRS. I think it stands for I really suck. They like to take your money and regulate on you a lot. I mean, they're not, they're not always loving. Um, you know, they serve their purpose. But, but that's where you're like, shit, is there another stage? And, and, and th yes, there is. There's another stage called Investor Philanthropist. In fact, there's a great book about it called Tax-Free Wealth by Tom Wheelwright. I highly recommend everybody read that book. And it talks about how the tax code's written. And I mean, to give you the premise of the book, billionaires who are donating money to politicians are not doing that because they think it's the best charity out there that's going to help the most people. 
Like you could go feed kids and, and, and anytime you do a charity to feed kids or to help people, that's better than donating to a politician, in my opinion. Why do you think billionaires give so much money to politicians? Well, no different than why you go buy to the commodities on the shelf at the store, right? Because you want them to do something for you. Let's let's remember politics is poly means multiple. Ticks means blood-sucking arachnids. Okay. So it's just multiple blood-sucking arachnids. They're all bad. Okay. But what billionaires do when they're buying these commodities is they're saying, hey, I'm gonna help you get elected. You're gonna go to that tax code and you're gonna do me things that are gonna benefit my company so I can grow. Uh, and and maybe maybe they're gonna give you tax write-offs through bonus depreciation. Maybe they're going to make large vehicles that are heavier, which are very expensive, right? You can write off 100% and depreciate 100% year one. So if you go buy a fleet of trucks, it's a trucking company. Because is there a major need in trucking right now? Is there a major need in shipping more things? Are there supply chain issues? So planes, trains, automobiles, all of a sudden critical, writing off the whole thing at once. So the government will then go give write-offs in areas where it has needs. Entrepreneurs can put their money there and they're getting like tax abatements, tax deferrals, tax whatever, and then you can legally not pay your fair share in taxes because it's written into the tax code by the people that make the laws that also complain about the legality of it, which is really funny, uh, but that's just how politics is. They complain about everything. So that's the investor philanthropist stage. So there's seven stages, and in each stage, you solve a problem. Now, there, there might be another stage past investor philanthropist, but I haven't learned it yet. Who knows? Maybe I'll become a spiritual business hippie one day and then teach that stage. As of right now, I'm still a normal business guy, and, and these seven stages get you to the life that you can have on TV rather than the life that, that you have to watch. Like, like, like if your life is sitting on the couch watching versus people watching you, then, then it's time to look at these seven stages and how do you move through and get through to the next stage if, if you want. Most people are oscillating between one to three stages, right? And if you're oscillating between one to three stages, what would be the best thing? Solve the problem at the bottom stage. Then all of a sudden you have way more time and you can oscillate in just those two stages. Solve the problem at the bottom stage. All of a sudden you're here. Now you start oscillating upwards. It's so easy. And, and, and then if you're like, no, I want to be humble. No, no, don't, don't ever be humble. Be humble to God. No, don't be humble. Don't be quiet. Attention makes you money. Okay. You can be humble to God, never to man. And, and just remember that the only people that are ever going to accuse you of bragging are losers. Losers accuse winners of bragging when winners talk about their fucking day. Don't worry about what losers say. Lions don't give a shit about the opinions of sheep. They eat them. That's crazy, man. Mm-hmm. That's a... Uh... That's super thought provoking. You know, I think that there's a lot, I don't know what to, I don't know where to go next here because I think that like what you just said kind of put me in a shock mode in a good way, you know, especially around like humility and like being, you know, I don't know. I guess just like, I think mm-hmm. I struggle with this personally. Like when I find success, I tr- try to keep it to myself because I feel like I don't want to come off boastful. I don't want to come off arrogant. I don't want to come off cocky, but at the same time I'm proud and I'm, working my ass off and, you know, all of those things. So it's interesting to kind of hear a different perspective on that for sure. You know what? Let me, let me, let me show you guys something real quick, if I can. Yeah. And I'll tell you a quick story. Because facts may sell or tell, but stories sell. You see what I'm looking at right behind me? Mm-hmm. What does it look like to you? Darth Vader? Yeah. And what do you, what do you think it's made out of? Probably not plastic. It's made out of car parts, but mostly nuts. Okay. Okay. And, and the reason I'm showing this to you is it was a gift from a, a guy. And, and I had the same belief or, or limiting belief um, as, as you're talking about, Andrew. I was never allowed. In fact, I only got on social media other than like having the regular Facebook account that everybody has like two years ago. Okay. And, and, and luckily we've blown up. We've got a couple hundred thousand followers. I hope anybody that hears this goes and follows me because we put all this shit out there for everyone. Mm-hmm. But like 
I was a hard money lender. That was one of my businesses. And I and we would borrow money to loan it. So it was kind of an arbitrage, if that makes sense. Well, I had one guy that I'd loan money on like five or six houses. And anytime you foreclose on a guy, because he wasn't making his payments, and of course I'd loan him too many on too many deals. That's why I, I, I was in trouble. I didn't have the cash to go pay off all the loans. I, I had made some big investments and I didn't have the cash at that point. So I called a competitor of mine who I knew to be cash heavy, who I'd borrowed from at the beginning of my journey like a decade before. And I said, hey, dude, like, um, you know, can we collaborate on this? Do you mind putting up the money? We'll split the profits. There's a lot of equity, da 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 and, and, and the words that came out of his mouth were, and the devil's calling. I said, wow, what do you mean? He says, bro, you're this guy that goes into all these different industries successfully. And I, 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 I have to hear about how you're putting people I know and like out of business, how their businesses shrink when you grow. And he says, I don't hold it against you because there is no way to create a new market. You have to go take from the market that's there. That's fine, right? He said, but I, I, I knew you, you know, 10 years ago, and you were a nice kid, hardworking, home-flipping kid. And, and now I hear that you're absolutely the devil, and you're coming to me for money. I'm, I'm almost scared. And, and we sat down. We had lunch. We got to know each other. He liked me. We talked. And we did the deal. We made hundreds of thousands of dollars on that deal, and I split it with him. We did everything we said we were going to do. He did everything he said he was going to do. A few weeks later, he shows up, and he gives me that. He had it commissioned by a local artist here. He, he, when we were talking, he found out I was a Star Wars nerd. And he said, if a lion doesn't tell their story, the hunter will. You are a true lion. But I went ahead and made you your devil out of all the nuts that talk shit about you. <laughs> and it was wow. beautiful. And it was yeah. beautiful. To me. So, so I keep it in here just, you know, so that I can beat my own devil. Mm -hmm. That's crazy. That's real cool. And, and so, dude, never, ever, ever. And, and I just, like, here's what I'll tell you. Somebody needs to hear your story. Okay, yeah. there's, there's, there's four ways that I've found where you can truly give. Okay, everybody will ask you for your treasure. That's what they know how to ask for. Like, give me your money. Yeah. I want to spend it because you have more. Give me some. And, and, and there's nothing wrong with giving treasure. I, I give away plenty of treasure. Okay, but there's also time. You can give time. Okay. You can go give talent. You can lend your labor. But one of the most important ones, in fact, you know, if you're, if you're, I, I'm a Christian, I don't push my religion on anyone, but do you know what we get more than anything else from the good book, from the Bible? We get testimony. Mm -hmm. We get the testimony of Christ. So if there's time, there's talent, there's treasure, what about testimony? Who gives a shit if somebody says you're bragging because you give your testimony? There's somebody out there that's a creator. Not an earner slave, a creator, somebody who makes money like you do, that creates value, that needed to fucking hear it. And maybe it lifted them up. Maybe it inspired them. You know, I've got this kid that he signed up for my highest level coaching program. Our highest level one right now is 36,000. And uh, he'd signed up for our low level coaching program while it was just in the makes, right? And he says, I, I'm going to get in your high. Well, he kind of created our low level coaching program because he wanted to sign up for my high level one. And he was like, I want you to coach me. And he just fucking showed up. And I was like, you can't afford me. I want you to coach me. And watching this kid's journey, watching, and I'm not going to go say his name because I don't want to like dive him out, but watching his journey, watching his flow over, over a year and a half, well, I just helped him. And like, honestly, I didn't even help him much. Like I would give him fucking an hour every month and a half. And now he's signed up for my highest level coaching program. He's grossing $2 million in revenue a year. And if you met the kid, I mean, he's a brilliant kid. He's a hard worker. 
he's not going to come across as a genius. Mm-hmm. He almost talks like a fucking cholo. <laughs> <laughs> he's, he's refined a lot in the last two years. But he does so much value, so much incredible shit. Like, you know, with the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. It says that in the good book. And, and, and so I want to go into a seed. Your story, your testimony. Like, why does anybody go read the Bible? Plenty of people do. And, and, and I mean, I do. I believe it. And other people don't, but they probably have their own book or their own faith. And whatever it is, take this analogy and reference it to them, right? If you take a seed, like let's just say everybody likes flowers, right? But you know how you grow a flower? You take a seed and you shove it into a pile of shit. Mm-hmm. Add water for a few weeks. A few weeks later, this flower germinates, grows up. It's six inches above that pile of shit that you put it in. <laughs> the shit represents the problems. And, and you know, Weeks later, somebody is leaning down six inches above a pile of shit to smell that flower because everybody likes the story of the come up. Everybody likes that that person that can overcome adversity. And if the fucking lion doesn't tell his story, the hunter will. Mm. Now, here's the other side of that. For all those listening that are in that startup phase, if the lion cub doesn't write their story, nobody will ever read it. You'll never get to be the inspiration that you wanted to be. You're either going to be an example to somebody or a warning to somebody. And and every person's life ends in a story. My dad was a hardworking, amazing, beautiful man. And he was an example to me in that. Around his money, he was a warning to me. Our pain is our gifts. Our problem is our teacher. And every single person out there was made in his image. Meaning everything is possible. With the faith of a mustard seed, you can move mountains. And everybody settles for less. And they don't have to. It's easy. Making millions made easy. And all you have to do is get the formula, get the science. And and here's what I'll tell you, because I just want everybody to win. I found it. It's easy. It's not simple. You're going to still have to do some steps, okay? But it's easy. And I'm going to send it all to you. I mean, send me an email right after this, and I'm going to email you all of the formula documents. And if you use the formula documents where there's three goals, there's four things you measure, and there's six things you change. You will go from stage to stage to stage to stage to stage. You can give it out to everyone out there. It's easy. Now, i got to be a little honest. It's a bit of a baited trap. Okay? Mm-hmm. It's a baited trap for my coaching program. And I, I say that lovingly because I don't want to hide anything. Um, the four things you measure are culture, clarity, capacity, and cash. And there are some educations you're going to need to get around culture, clarity, capacity, and cash. I wish we could do it here, but it's probably a good eight weeks of education. Yeah. So yeah. We're do it today. Um, but, but, I mean, the three goals are simple. Alignment, simplicity, foresight. And the six things you can change in a business are simple. Price, product, people, place, promotion, and process. You can change one or multiple of those things. Like, like my car has more dials that I can fucking adjust than a business. Mm-hmm. We have a complicated business. It's just, it's just a machine to create money, to add value to customers and create wealth for you. That's all it is. It's an optimized machine. When we go from exceptional to optimal, and we get that to that megapreneur or investor philanthropist level, we have a huge asset that's sellable, right? Yeah. yeah. And, and so this formula, and, and, and anyone could do it. Like, you can go out and read all the books. Like, I've read hundreds of books on, on creating culture, hundreds of books on fucking capacity. I mean, any, anyone could do it. I'm going to send you all the formulas. I'm going to send you all of it. People will still have to go and get the culture, clarity, capacity, cash. And, and should they? Yes. If they're in business, yes. Can they do it with or without a coach or a mentor? Absolutely. All the coach or the mentor is going to do, and it doesn't even have to be me, just somebody you resonate with, 
is they're going to help you understand those four cores to a business. Because when you have those, and you know how to hit the goals, the alignment, simplicity, foresight, make the adjustments, you know which phase you're in and how to target the next phase, and you've built your map, everyone can be worth 10 to $100 million in the next five to 10 years. Everyone can. There's no fucking limit. That's what's crazy. And the biggest problem is people don't believe it. And the yeah, moment you prove it, if they come to prove it wrong or if they come to prove it right, they always prove it. It's always the same result. Long as they step up and lean in. That's awesome. That's great. All right. So this episode's basically been nothing but hacks, but right. I'm still going to put you on the spot. Still going to ask you if you could leave us with one golden hack. I'm going to let you give it to us. Hacks! <laughs> I love your sound effects. Thanks, man. One golden hack. Okay. Can I can I go a little woo-woo? Do it. A little, little esoteric? Yeah. Okay. Does love exist in a business? It should. It should, yeah. Okay. And it can. So I'm going to give you a love hack in business. All okay. Right. What's the first four letters of culture? C-U-L? L-T. Cult. Okay. What's cult? Ooh. Passionate community with a common identity. Yeah. It's a group identity. Exactly. Okay. Now you can think of the bad cults, but there's also good cults. So let's not yeah. get triggered by the word. And there's cultures and there's cultivating. I mean, it's a root for many different words, right? That's right. Like if I'm cultivating a garden, I want my garden to have a group identity. Mm -hmm. yep. A beauty that I see, a problem that it solves for me. Right. So so when we're looking at businesses that are of people, by people, for people, through people, everything else, people. And then we go and we look at, okay, well, what's the meaning of life? Oh, shit, it's love. Then we need to understand love, okay? And there's three different levels of love. Like, one, level one, love is a need. It's mm -hmm. absolutely a need, okay? If you do not realize that love is a need, people that don't receive love at any level, like, if you're a child, you'll die. It's called failure to thrive. You can go look it up. Like, every single, like, hospital can report to you, like, yep. there are children yep. that choose death over life because they didn't receive love when they were born. Mm -hmm. Now, if somebody is older and they don't receive love, they'll go insane. Look at the kids that shot up Columbine, things like that. Like, you go insane without love. It's a need. So that's one. It's no different than food, water, air. It's just a slower, more painful death if you don't have it. Okay? Two, and we learn this as children, there's the next level, which is conditional love, transactional love. There's nothing wrong with conditional love. You'll hear all sorts of gurus call it horse trading, call it prostitution. They'll say, oh, you're transactional, you're wrong. So do you know what a transaction is? It's a root word too, transfer of action. Ooh, shit. So if I wanted to do something conditional or unconditional, I would have to transfer action to you. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. So either way, it's a transfer of action. Either way, it's a transaction. So the only difference between conditional and unconditional is the expectation of reciprocation. Mm. So unconditional being the final level of love, which is the love that we all seek and we all crave, is something that most people think immeasurable, but it's completely measurable. Do you know how much you love someone? As much as you are willing to suffer for them. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So if somebody breaks all your conditions, you're suffering. And so you, like, I don't believe in killing and I don't believe in dying. But if you ever meet my kids, you'll see that I would kill or die for them in a heartbeat. Not even a question, not even a thought. Because I love them beyond my conditions. Does that make sense? I would mm -hmm. suffer ultimately 
for them. So you love as much as you're willing to suffer. So these are the three levels of love. And wherever there's truth, there's also a paradox, okay? Paradoxes are fun. Like, they're, they're clues, little indicators that there's a miracle present if you dig deep enough. And if you're living a life without plenty of miracles, frequently, you're probably doing it wrong. So let's go into a paradox. Can God create a rock so big that God cannot lift the rock? Hmm. Oh, shit. Yeah. <laughs> and the answer is, of course, yes. And the answer is, of course, no. You know, implying the paradox, mm -hmm. right? So now let's look at us versus God. God, infinite, us, finite, right? If I'm a finite being, and here's the paradox of love. Unconditional love. All the yogis want to have unconditional love everywhere for everyone. So there's a paradox to unconditional love. Say I transfer action to Andrew, okay? Starts with me, goes to him. That's a line, right? There's a beginning, there's an ending. And then I transfer love to you, Beefy. I just do something nice for both of you. It doesn't matter what it is. I could send a million dollars, or maybe I just like, you know, fuck, like send a thank you card, whatever. Did something nice, unconditional, no expectation of reciprocation. I transferred action. I created a line to both of you. Now, Beefy, let's say that Andrew received my card or whatever and ignored it. Mm -hmm. I didn't have an expectation of reciprocation, so I don't care, right? But let's say I sent a line to you as well, and you didn't ignore it. Let's say next time you saw me, you just walked up and gave me a fucking bro hug. Doesn't have to be reciprocation in kind, but that reciprocation was I rewarded now, in a finite existence, when you rewarded me for that reciprocation, you turned a line with a beginning and an ending into a circle. Mm -hmm. Were there any beginnings or endings on that circle? No. And now you have a relationship that you sail forever. So reciprocation of a transaction is absolute gold. Now, here's a question. And this is the million-dollar question on the growth hack for you using love. Businesses are transactional. Okay, there's nothing wrong with being transactional. What in your business can you give away for free with no expectation of reciprocation? Mm -hmm. Whether it be advice, whether it be a few upgrades if you're building a home or something, whether, whether it be this, 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 something where you're over and beyond, regardless of whether they sign or not. We give everyone Several different, and I call them irresistible guarantees because that's how I was trained to call them, but that are completely unconditional. Mm -hmm. They have no bearing on you buying our product. Like some of the folks that want to go and join our real estate company, you know what we did? We signed them up for six months for the coaching, whether they join or not. Mm -hmm. It gets paid for by the real estate company. Do you know what happens when their lives start changing? Not all of them join, but fucking 90% do. Mm-hmm. What are you doing to show unconditional love in a world where COVID made community and connection the most valuable thing to any human being? And it should be around community and connection, right? Mm -hmm. What are you doing for that? And would it 10x your sales if people got to feel that authenticity, that vulnerability, and that love coming from you? So there's your free growth hack mm -hmm. that I think hopefully trumps all the other ones I gave you because that's the fucking billionaire secret. If you go in and give it, with no expectation, people are attracted to love. Love exists in business. 
Who'd have thought that this would have been a Valentine's Day episode? Right. I'm going to have to push it up and release it that week now, right? <laughs> oh, gosh. Preston, man, this has been a... I feel like you, we could talk for hours, but we all have responsibilities. Mm-hmm. But I'd like to give you know you opportunity one more time. What would you like to promote? Any links, any websites, any consulting programs? You're, the floor is yours. Brother, you know, I would like to promote people taking some fucking action. I mean, whether it's mine or another. It, it, it doesn't matter mm-hmm. if you don't have a mentor. And I'm going I'm to give you one more hack. Okay. There's five things you should invest in and you fill each bucket before you move to the next bucket. Okay. And this is advice that a centimillionaire friend of mine gave me 15 years ago and I followed it to a T and I am now at and beyond his net worth because I followed his advice. Invite, invest in mindset. That's number one. Invest in coaching, invest in seminars, invest in books. If you can't afford coaching and get a fucking book. Do something the way you're always feeding this. Mm-hmm. Always. When your cup runneth over, when you cannot get any further because you just can't learn any faster, invest in your business. Fill it up. Do not go buy Bitcoin or anything else when you need a fucking software, a new employer, or anything like that. Next, real estate. Why? It's an inflation hedge. It's a tax benefit. And it's cash flow opportunity. There's three wins. And there's lots of exit strategies. Okay? Next, you invest in tax hedges. This is where you have like your oil and gas, your apartment syndications, large vehicles. Like I own four giant concrete trucks that I lease out to a concrete company here, right? Crazy. Last, all the other shit and fill each bucket first. But most folks never get over the mindset hack. They never start investing there. They, my real success started coming when I started paying for coaching. And look, some of the folks are going to be like, I don't resonate with Preston. He's not my style. That's fine. But find someone. Mm-hmm. Find someone. Like, I think my lowest cost coaching program is like $2.99 a month. Okay? My highest cost is $36,000. And you can't even get into that when it's on a fucking waiting list. Okay? And, 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 and we've got like immersion courses in between. Like they can go to my website and go look at it. And, and here's what I'll guarantee. Like if you come in and you do my coaching for a year. And you got no value. Or not, not even that. You didn't get a million dollars, $10 million value of your business. Ask for your fucking money back. Because I, I will hand it right back. I, I, at that point, I want you to leave because it's impossible for you to learn. I want everyone to invest in themselves. Whether it's me, whether it's anyone. I, it doesn't matter. Find somebody who has the life you want. Like if you go say, oh, you know, Preston's 40, he's got two fucking airplanes, he's got a McLaren, and he's not telling me to go do all this right now, he's telling me to do this to get here, this to get here, this to get here, this to get here, and I'm your guy, I'm honored, it's, it's a fucking privilege, go to my website, www.theprestonbrown.com, if, if you want to sign up for one of my low-level programs, or yourbestlifenow.com, if you want to inquire about the high-level programs and just see some of the epic shit that we do, tell you what, we throw you in the water and Chum the water and a thousand nerf sharks come up to swim with you and you didn't expect it. We get to find out who you really are, baby. Mm-hmm. You know, so like, like I, I would say, check out my shit, but go check out plenty of people's shit. And then if I resonate with you, jump in, take a fucking risk, buy in, spend two, 300 bucks to get yourself to the next level. Because what we're going to do on day one, on day one, when you're in, is we're going to dive into your company. We're going to dive into your business. And as we help you, it's going to help five or six other people. They're going to learn too. And it's going to be fucking magic seeing you transition. Because, look, we're, like, we're in the age of being pro-trans, right? Like, I am pro-trans, guys. 
Like, I want you to transition out of fucking startup and into operational entrepreneur. Out of operational entrepreneur and into fucking entrepreneur. Out of entrepreneur and into operational megapreneur. Like, we should be pro-trans. There's always transition when growing. Invest in your mindset. Get a mentor. Get a coach. Get somebody who's not a fucking guru. <laughs> and invest in yourself. And if I can get you to just invest in yourself, whether it's me or anyone else, that is the only thing I would like you to buy. That's what's up. Excellent. Preston, thanks, man. Thank you for listening to another episode of the Business Growth Hacks podcast. Be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts so you never miss an episode. To get more marketing tips and tricks, follow Beefy Marketing on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Beefy Marketing. And to take your business to the next level, check out our website at www.beefymarketing.com.